everyone. I'm Hope Lehman. I'm Camila Richardson. And I'm Marisol Catchings. And welcome to Just Be, a podcast by and for Black women entrepreneurs. Let's get it cracking. Welcome back to the Just Be Podcast. Today is going to be such an amazing, fun day. Today is our beauty shop episode. Today is the beauty shop episode, or as I like to call it, shop talk. And it is where we invite a creative entrepreneur to join us. And we get to learn about their entrepreneurship journey and also talk fun pop culture topics as well, which I am so excited and looking forward to. We have such great topics today. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's it's going to be a situation. Um, okay, so I we first have a guest here with us, the illustrious Lisa Evans. And I have known Lisa for, I think, a decade at this point, which is cool. Why not? Um, <laughs> and we have lived together 10, oh, eight. Eight out of 11. Okay, 11 eight years. out of 11 years. Yeah, big difference slash we still live we've known each other forever uh, we're college homies so lisa is an awesome entrepreneur that i'm going to let introduce themselves they do just like an amazing facilitation work equity work um i'm always going to lisa for advice about anything social justice related or you know i'm like was that racist and that's lisa's like that person was that was that transphobic like can we please talk about this so lisa's an amazing human and they also do art and they perform and they sing they're pretty much a renaissance human and they also know all the things about comic books and pop culture stuff so we're super excited to have you it's about to be lit yay i'm excited to be here also, like, I love the title of this segment because it feels like a real assessment of my life slash, like, reclaiming the beauty shop is a place that I didn't have to sit for, like, two and a half hours getting my scalp combed out because oh. I, <laughs> I got that, like, thick break in combs hair. I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. My scalp doesn't hurt. This is great. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. And thanks, Hope, for the intro. Uh, yeah, I'm a facilitator, a trainer, um, a cultural worker. So for me, that means um, both being a teaching artist, a performing artist, and a curator and producer. So I produce shows. Oh my gosh, way too many things. I produce shows, do teaching artist work. So working with young folks in community and adults as well um, to use like performing and theater and writing for healing. Um, and yeah, I am a giant comic nerd and can have very long conversations about the series I love and hate Marvel, um, which hopefully we'll get to get to today, so. Yay, could you share more about your businesses specifically or your projects? Yeah, so I've been doing um, facilitation and training, gosh, for like five years at this point. It started off, um, I was working at a youth center in East Oakland and facilitated trainings for young folks, um, which to be very honest, when I started off were horrible and really like, elitist and on my I'm out of college and have political education to give to the young people and then there was moments of like one what the hell are you saying because you're <laughs> using a bunch of terminology that is extremely inaccessible to folks and then two can we make this fun because this feels like class um and so actually figuring out how to bring in like art 
um, and movement and games into my facilitation style has been really fun over the years. And really, it just kind of started off like, oh, there's a thing. Do you want to do this training for our staff? Do you want to do a training at this youth conference? Do you want to apply for a training here? And then it's actually gotten to the point that I was joking with Hope that I transitioned into being self-employed. Yep, yep, whoop, whoop. Yeah, we're pro self-employment slash when you left your job date. But realizing this year when I started doing that, that, and being afraid of being unemployed, like not getting jobs, da, 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 and then having the realization at the end of this year, I'm like, oh, I've had like six or seven like different work things this year. And realizing when I've been applying for jobs now or like part-time gigs, that I'm like, I haven't written a cover letter in three and a half years. Like, and I, Congratulations. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was like, oh, this is weird. I forgot how to do this. And realizing like, oh, every gig and job that I've gotten at this point have been like recommendation or like folks reaching out like, I hear you're a great trainer. I hear you're a great facilitator. And so that's been really exciting. And then in terms of producing and facilitating work, um, just a lot of folks seeing the work that I have produced. And so it was ironic when I had my first um, solo show this past fall. It was um, um, a part of the Hope More Bridge Project, um, the Radical... Um, Bodies Festival this past um, November, um, realizing I was like, oh, um, a bunch of people who are like, I know your work in community. I know the way you do youth development work. I've seen your work as a producer and a director and a curator, but I've never actually seen you perform and being like, that was great. Um, also, the show is called the show is called um, You Really Should Sit Like a Lady or How I Got to Femme and like. Awesome. So and just to give some sort of like names for some of the projects, you have the House Spirit Moves Us project that you started mm -hmm. and then you do the hashtag Breaking the Binary project across mm -hmm. the country mm -hmm. where you facilitate workshops on trans equity um, with a whole bunch of white folks, right, who run theater programs? Yeah, so primarily, so regional theaters across the country are primarily run by white folks, primarily by older white men. Um, and kind of a funny trend that's happening is these theater companies are like, so the rich old white patrons that we've been working for years are dying, and which is actually just not even a joke, is just a thing that legitimately gets sent at theaters across the country. <laughs> oh, shit. So our patron base is dying um, and realizing that they haven't actually been doing the work to be relevant to like the diversity and communities of color in their cities and so are trying to do this work and in doing this work are actually reinforcing problematic racist sexist ableist classist and transphobic shit and so it's actually been really exciting like getting to build with folks um, at different theaters across the country really coming in and being like how do you implement these things not just like us coming in and being like here's some fun facts to think about but like no, for real, we're going to break down into your departments. Which ways does your department reinforce white supremacy? Which ways does the work you do reinforce transphobia? What are explicit things that you can do to make those changes within a month, within six months, within a year? And so asking people to think really concretely. Um, and it's also great because my co-facilitator is one of my really good homies and we're just really nerdy and have a lot of fun and do weird dances and sometimes sing songs um, while talking, while doing our training. So like really about trying to create a space where it's like, yes, we can learn. And yes, like we want you to level up in things and we gonna get you real quick. Um, and my co-facilitator um, um, is SK Karastas, a white trans person, um, theater professional artist. And it's been really great to work with them because I feel like we do 
a really good trade-off. And they've been really good at holding space of like, nope, somebody's starting to go down a racist play. I'm going to claim that. And be like, nope, that is not okay. And I was like, thank you for not making me do that labor because I can't train my face. Um, no, I think that that's wonderful work that you're doing. Yes, and like, how does it feel to like go into a space and you're you're opening people up? Like you're opening people up, you're teaching them in a different way. How does that work for you? Like, how does that feel? And I also want to add to Madi's question, how does it feel to go into a space when you're working with artists? So a lot of time artists feel like, I'm an artist. I'm very progressive to begin with. Mm, you know, they're I closed, right? I don't need training. I'm an artist. You know, I understand all of these things. So, yes, that was exactly my question. I joke a lot and have joked over the years that my facilitation style is tricking people. Um, and so I'm just like, I want you to be really, really safe to say all your fucked up shit so we can deal with it. Because if you don't say it, you know you're lying and I know you're lying. And this was just a waste of everybody's time and money, but I will still take the money. Um, <laughs> um, but part of it is about creating a space where we talk about kind of the society we live in, right? So to combine the two of them, Camille, I think your question of like, what do you do with artists particularly that are like, oh, like, I don't perpetuate this thing. So what we do is actually start very big picture. So being like, like, if we're talking about like, and because even when we talk about transphobia, we always talk about transphobia in connection with racism and classism and ableism, because we're like, nope, we're not just going to be that thing where it's like transness. And usually that ends up being white transness. And so we're very, very explicit about like, transness but specifically people of color and within that specifically trans femmes of color and within that specifically trans women of color um just so we're very clear on who we're centering and who this is about like you need to think about the communities that have the least access to your institutions and how are you creating it thinking about so like i was joking I was like i was born middle class like my parents are both cut like my parents both have some type of like higher ed my dad has a master's degree He's one of the few black men in his, from his town in his generation that does. Um, and my mother has an associate's degree. So there was books in the house. I had access to textbooks, all these things like reading was a value, all these things. And so thinking about like what are the given conditions that you're born into that set the plate, thinking about your chosen community. So for me, I was like, that's nerd culture. I choose that shit so actively every day. <laughs> and like, so the way we frame that is like, if you move to a new city, what is the community you would try to sleep in? What's your hobby? What's the thing that you would do and try to find places to engage in if you moved? And then um, the mixture of both are the things that feel like are a combination. So for me, that was blackness and queer and transness. Because as much as I was born black, I grew up in a city where anti-blackness was very prevalent and even prevalent within communities of color because it's not a primarily white city. And that creates a really good groundwork for folks because when we start talking about systems of oppression, people have already started thinking about like, oh, this is how I got to there. Um, and so people actually realizing a little bit like, oh, art is something I choose. My whiteness is mm -hmm. not. My class that I grew up with was not. Um, my physical ability is not. And so it starts creating like a way for folks to start thinking about like, oh, if these are the things that I get to choose, what about folks who don't have the same access to like resources or education or finances as I do to be able to make that choice? That was part of it. And the most ridiculous statement. So, yeah, there was this one person um, when we were back east earlier this year who said something, I think, along of the lines of 
I, she's like, well, people are talking about how there's not that many people of color here, but, you know, I'm the only Jew on staff. And we are just like. <laughs> how do you say that? Like, do you say you don't count? Like <laughs> She was talking about how she experienced marginalization as the only Jewish person on staff. So I let my white co-facilitator hold that one. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to give you that one. And they actually did a really good job of being like, yeah. So like, we also like talk about like, like whiteness as a cultural thing, right? So like whiteness and assimilation into whiteness and how like folks that were deemed as not white for centuries who assimilated into whiteness. And if you are a white person who has an ethnic white identity and who's not assimilated into mainstream whiteness, especially in a country that's primarily like, Christian, like in a lot of our dogma, that can feel marginalizing. And the combination with whiteness and class still makes for a very different experience than people of color. Mm -hmm. um, okay, awesome. So you're doing amazing work. And I have a follow-up question for you as a fellow, fellow facilitator. What do you do? That's a lot to hold. And I'm so glad you have a co-facilitator because I'm not going to lie, my brain would explode. But how do you, what is your self-care process when you, after these things, before and after, because you're holding all that, you're taking it in, you know, you're dropping the mic on people, but like, how do you take care of yourself? Um, well, when I'm working with my co-facilitator, like, I don't know when we started this tradition, but it's like, we're going to go get food or coffee and just debrief and talk about how we felt like it went oh, so nice. we can just let it out and then be like, cool, what do we need to change? What could have done better? I actually also appreciate them because they're like another touchy-feely water sign. And so it'll be like, I want to like appreciate you for this moment. I want And like we actually do like appreciations for each other and be like, okay, so this was something that felt challenging or I think we could do better for next time, both in terms of either the facilitation or in terms of the content. Um, and if it's my solo, it's myself. I like just like to take some space and just kind of like decompress. So usually I'll go walk around. Um, I'm like if I'm doing local stuff, I'm usually like driving or on BART. And so that actually becomes a nice debrief space because I'll read or like listen to creepy pasta, scary stories on the drive back from places because that is my very calming thing. So I like that practice of like the eating and venting. We might need that if we decide to pitch to investors. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to need that. Yeah. I also like the appreciation piece, too, like that you guys do for each other. That's fabulous. Thanks for sharing. Oh, and really quickly. I do want to give for listeners, if you're if you're a service based business and entrepreneur that's thinking about doing like trainings and contracts across the country. Um, well, hopefully we can get at Lisa on the Instagram at Queerdo Weirdo at the Queerdo Weirdo. The Queerdo Weirdo. Um, but just to I hope that, you know, these tips are helpful just because Lisa is getting paid like money, like to facilitate prep per diem means their meals are covered and a hotel room to do this work across the country. All right. Well, thank you for that, Lisa. That was really awesome and powerful. Um, and we are going to take a break and segue into the beauty shop, Shop Talk. back thank you so much lisa for sharing about the work that you do that sounds amazing now we're going to get into our beauty shop episode so we have questions that will just fly around the room and camila i'm gonna let you start it off so lisa you are really into pop culture 
I want to know what are you reading, watching podcasts that you're listening to? Like, what has your attention right now that you are like, oh, this is so good. So I'm going to try and be succinct because there are so many series that I love. Um, but the most recent one that I've that I picked up and it was a mini series um, through Image is called God Shaper. Um, oh, yeah. And it's. It's about this black female descendant of Dr. Frankenstein, um, whose 13-year-old is shot by the police, and she actually reanimates him. Like, she's a genius and has created all of this amazing technology. The company that she worked for before her child was killed is now trying to find her because um, the original Frankenstein has, like, has surfaced again for the first time in, like, 400 years and they need some way to destroy it and every modern way they have to destroy it isn't working and so they want her technology and so they find out about her son who she's reanimated with all of like this like bio in bio computer engineered stuff and it's like a four-part series and it's just actually really beautiful and talking about like black motherhood and childhood and black family structures and intersections with like government and capitalism a lot of my stuff is comic books um Another series that I love that is not updating enough and it's killing my heart um, is called Rat Queens. Um, and it's this series about this entirely female guild, like in a World of Warcraft universe. They're my favorite because they're actually <laughs> so a guild that. that like everyone's like, don't call the Rat Queens. They fuck everything up and destroy the world. Like they'll get the job done, but everything will be destroyed in the process. Um, and it's like this raunchy bunch of like... Um, women from different species and backgrounds who are all kind of outcasts um, in their own cultures and who have come together to form this like new chosen family. Um, and then the last one is Wicked Divine, which is about the Wicked and the Divine, which is about reincarnated gods um, that come back every 99 years. And in this current iteration, they're pop stars. And so it's young people from 13 to 22 and they die by the like you will die on your 22nd birthday but you'll be famous you'll be hated and so it's like a mixture of gods though from different um religious pantheons so including um egyptian gods greek gods roman gods um celtic gods and it's like it takes place in london and follows this girl who's like a big fan and wants to become one wants to be chosen but it's actually really beautiful so yeah i'm just a big old comic nerd i'm not very good at new things I watch the same movies <laughs> all the time. Hope knows this. I have literally watched every episode of How I Met Your Mother at least 300 times because I like... It's like the only white sitcom I watch because of Lisa. And I cried at the, at the friggin' finale. I was like, God damn it, motherfucker. I was like, ah, but what happened to Ted? I was like, a mess. Yeah, I do the same thing with, like, The Office. Like, I've seen The Office, I don't know how, like, through, like, 10 times or something. Mm -hmm. That's hella, like, <laughs> that's hella like seasons of The Office. You just have all these stories that are amazing. I can't wait to look up all those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited now. <laughs> yeah. What is? What are you reading, Hope? Or reading, looking at, watching, seeing? Oh well, I started. I started God Shaper, but that's a good reminder for me to get back into it. If you want to borrow it, I got them. Oh, I know. That's like the biggest conundrum with comic books. Is like. Do we share them or do I have my own copies? Because, you know, it's like, you know, issues and stuff. Well, if you're going to reread them. We need like a library, like a black library of comic books. I would so start a local Side note, Detroit has the most black comic book shop in the land. Oh, oh okay. my God. I don't know, but Marcel and I stopped by the comic. We go to comic book shops in whatever town we're in. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it was like so black. Everybody there was black. The music was black. I was like shazamming the music. It was like the gorillas. And then it was like all this stuff. And I was like, I love Detroit forever. Yes, please. So you got to go. Yeah, that's happening. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading. What am I reading? I don't. It's really hard for me. Comic books are great because they're quick and, you know, I feel like I have no time. But the book I'm like perpetually reading, I picked up this book. It's a black. Um, it's like a black, like African Canadian no- novel, science fiction novel. Um that is super random and I'm not quite sure what's happening. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's about these like two young bloods who are African brothers in Canada, I think. And they're like figuring out their lives. And like one of them has like this epic story about how he got bamboozled in college and he meets this beautiful like African women, woman who has like a secret agenda. And in the town there's like a mixture of like, it's very like spiritual. Like these people are trying to ascend to like God level, but there's like, um, this like weird um they call it cream which i think is an analogy for a drug that helps you get there but there's a lot of death and killing that's happening in order to get access to cream and like this periscope thing that's going to bring them to the god land or whatever but it got really violent in towards like the middle end i was reading on the plane i was like what the fuck? i was like i don't know if you've ever read a book where you're like looking around like what just happened like <laughs> like they cut some pieces Where's off of people and i was like what i was like okay but, you know, I'm going to continue it. I like I like the main characters. I guess they they like they're they call them the Coyote Brothers. There's like a, like a whole like kind of like I can tell that the writers like re- kind of writing about a personal experience in like a neighborhood and a community. I love all this talk of like sci fi and fantasy. I feel like I'm just going to like explode in here in a moment. I'm like, oh, my God. Yes. Go ahead, Maddie. What, what do you have? What have you been reading, watching? Well, <laughs> Looking I've been at. watching a lot of documentaries lately, so I've been, you know, on a different hive right now other than, like, sci-fi and fantasy. But everything sounds so interesting, and it sounds like that's actually how I like my sci-fi fantasy. It's, like, one thing is fantasy, but it's, like, grounded in reality. So I can't wait to check out both of those things that you are talking about, actually. And then I was also going to say I'm... I've been, like, pitching this to Hope for, like, months now, but I'm like, we should get a group together to go to Universal Fan Con. Oh, yeah. In Baltimore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Lisa's eyes are, like, ginormous right now. I have a really good Afro, like, Black Power Harley Quinn costume. Oh, my gosh. Lisa's costume was my favorite this year. I have to share photos with you guys. I feel like I was your cheerleader everywhere. I was, like, about to get in fights over Lisa's outfit because people don't get it. We and I was, a, like... We went to a costume contest at the like, bar where Hope's partner I'm still works, mad. And I entered because I was, like... They were, like, up to $500 a grand prize. I was, like, I need money. I'm broke. And I like this costume and would just love to wear it out more. Um, and I didn't even place into the second round. And Hope's, like, that's because they don't get it. And da da I was like, Hope, even at, like, no. Even at Afro Comic Con, I feel like they, they, well, they totally bamboozled like black women in general at that. I think it's too, it's just like they're green and it's young and they got to get it together. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like I'm like jukey people, like, oh, it's like, da-da-da. you know, like Harley Quinn is like, I just love it. I just love it. I don't know what it is. It's like, it, it, I think it's like the high femme factor and it's like black and it's like, it's just raw and, Maybe I just need to be a Harley. You need to re- create a Harley Quinn posse, and I like have an excuse to wear booty shorts and be social justice at the same time. I need to show you a comic of the Quins. Okay. I am so lost right now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, like I'm, so, I'm sitting here listening to all these things, and I was like, oh, that sounds cool, and that sounds cool, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck y'all are talking about right now at all. <laughs> 
Well, I'll just tell you really quickly, Universal Fan Con, this is going to be the first year of it. And it's basically because Comic-Con is very, like, white man. So, um, black girl nerds and I think blurs and, like, two or three, like, people of color and... Um, some other groups all got together and said, we're going to have our own. Wait, are black girl nerds and blurs the same thing? No. It's two, it's two different groups? It's These two are different groups. groups. Okay. But it, there's more than the two of them. Those are just the two that I'm familiar with. So blurs is like black nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then black girl nerds. And then there is two other groups that I can't, I will put in the show notes that are all doing this. And so... Yeah, so Comic-Con is very white man, and people of color um, and everyone else were just not feeling included in it. So they were like, we should all come together and have our own, and it's for um, people of color, it's for disability, it's going to be for uh folks with disabilities and it's going to be very accessible for them mm-hmm. lgbtq community is taking a part in it so it's just going to be like i'm going to explode so that sounds wonderful yes it's in baltimore in april i just want to put that out there so. april 2018 april 2018 get my money damn <laughs> we don't need tickets i'm so down this has to happen tell us why marvel is not the business so i have been attacked and shamed for years for being a comic nerd that hates almost all Marvel characters um, and really loves DC. And people, like, the tend of a response are like, Batman and Superman are not that big of a deal. And the Joker's like, it's like, they're really one-dimensional. But I realize why the Marvel Universe, after watching, like, The Wars of Future Past, whatever that last movie that just came out, the big Civil War one, I think. Not Civil War. Anyway, I don't know. I don't like the the one with all of them, that one. But I realize, like, one, the level that government agencies play in the Marvel Universe is much bigger. Like, you don't have, like, institutions and governments in the same way. So you have, like, in DC, you have, like, you have alliances of superheroes. You have the Justice League, but they are not a government. They are actually, versus, like, in Marvel, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. is a U.S. government agency. Um... Like Hawkeye and Black Black Widow and Black Widow are actually U.S. government agents, um, and the level of like nationalism and like U.S. centrism and globalism in there is actually really disturbing to me because the entire storyline for a bunch of these is we need to save the U.S. and then it's like okay we need to save the world, but in a way that centers like Earth as the center of all of the dynamics in the universe. And, like, as the linchpin to all of the universes as opposed to, like, what about where Thor is from? Why isn't that ever center center of the universe? Why isn't Wakanda ever the place where, like, life changing? So, it like, everything takes place in, like, cities across the U.S., mostly involving white heroes. And, like, literally, it's the government. And so the question of, like, why all these people and the um, executive director of Marvel, I'm like, you are correct. They have gotten a lot of backlash. Um for all of like the diversity initiatives for characters, which hasn't actually meant creating new superheroes that are people of color. Yes, it's that's... just meant because Marvel has a whole thing where they have like a, a, all of the comics do, but like alternate universes, and so mm-hmm. it's not ever making the original character like diverse. It's just being like, so there is a universe where um, 
where Miss Marvel is um, a Muslim teenager. There's a universe where Iron Man is a black woman, um, and it's not actually canon. Miles Morales is a Spider-Man in a universe, but in the most of the universe, it's, P it's Peter Parker. And so it kind of creates this thing where folks of color are kind of marginalized and put into kind of like side pocket universes. And I still maintain that I think, I think my realization of like, oh, why all the white, white fanboys geek out over everything? Let's just be like, they get mad over anything that is not centering white cis men. They freak the fuck out. Um, <laughs> but I think like the underground, like the underground, like kind of nationalism and militarism in Marvel attracts a certain type of person in a lot of ways. Mm. And so... Like, I think that's kind of why that's I realize I'm like, that's why I hate Marvel is because of like the level of nationalism and militarism that's built into all of the plots. Well, in the side casting, Black Girl Nerds talks about that and and the um, the NPR show I was listening to um, where they say that um, the other effect besides being like side casted, like literally and marginalized into these other universes is that the white fans are like waiting for them to go back to being white exactly. again. Yep. And that's. That's like, no, like, why not? Like, you know, they have their own canon, their own story, their own development, which I think is happening a, a lot with the alternative comics. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't I can't even think if Marvel has any ones like that. They might. But um, but yeah, it just seems still. It just also seems like common sense. Like, why would you do that to a character that everybody loves? Right. Because, you know, it's like I love Captain America. And now there's black Captain America. And everybody's like, oh, it's like, why would you think that that would work anyways? Um, the. I do have to say I love X-Men, though, and I always will. Just because X-Men, for me as a kid, I associated with race right away and racism against mutants. You know, I don't know. It just deeply resonated with me in that way. I don't know. As a kid, I, don't, I just knew immediately it was like, that's about racism. That's some racist shit. I'm into it. Let's do it. Getting my mutant powers tomorrow. Still waiting. <laughs> Still waiting. Anytime now. So we had a few topics. Um... So we are recording this in, what is this, December 2017? Yep. So there are a few things uh, that are going on right now. Prince Harry just got engaged, and we are so excited. <laughs> I am not excited, but okay. <laughs> I am excited. I was not excited when the last prince got married. I was just like, what's the big deal? I wasn't excited about The Last Prince, but I'm excited about this one. Um, I've seen on social media so many black people are like, we can't wait for our royal wedding. Like, <laughs> everybody's like, oh, this is our wedding. Oh like, <laughs> I've seen people are organizing like barbecues. Oh my dinners. Oh, wow. That is hilarious. Yes, I'm not been, I'm not that serious. It's been cracking me up. So. Well, you want to? We gotta update everybody. They don't know. You haven't said explicitly what's happening. Uh, he's marrying a mixed woman. Oh, it's funny that you said that. That segue that segues <laughs> me into my situation and opinion. Um, Why? Well, Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like for the mixed people over here. I'm like we're both mixed over here. Yeah. I don't know. I guess in that situation, I don't really classify her as mixed. I classify her as black. She's black. Okay. Now I have more to say. I was like, here we go. <laughs> First off, when I found out, I was looking at her and I was like, I was like, she's black, isn't she? Because why would they say mixed otherwise? I feel like any other ethnic identity, they would have been put her out of what she was. So I was like, what's going on here? I was like, just say she's black. So then I did some research 
And, you know, she was her character. She has like writing somewhere about herself being like, I'm very proud of my heritage, my identity. She's from L.A. Her dad is uh, a white guy in the industry, Hollywood industry. Um, and her mom is black. And I was like, your mom is black? You is black? <laughs> black, 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 black. I was like, why would you say otherwise? I was like, it's ridiculous. What's happening? Yeah, she looks very ambiguously raced, as Hope yeah. says all the time. <laughs> but. Yeah, I didn't know she was black either until wait, was I watching? She was on Suits, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know she, she was black until then. She was also in a sci-fi series I love called Fringe. Holla, I love Fringe. Yeah, and then the other piece to the mixed word coming out, I think it comes out a lot when people are mixed with white. It doesn't happen if you're mixed with brown, right? Wait, what does that mean? So like, well, not to pick on me and Madi, but Madi's black and Mexican, mm-hmm. and I don't think people would be like. Maddie's mixed. They'd be like, yo, black or Mexican. For me, right, they'll be like, she's mixed, which means that we don't want to identify the brown side just in case you want to try to pull some white cards out. And it's like, I can't pull no white cards out. Just give me my card. What? I don't know. It happens all the time for me. I, I consider know. both I get of you mixed. mixed. Yeah, I and get mixed. And that's coming from a dark-skinned black woman. And I think that's the difference. And I think maybe that's why I consider her mixed mm-hmm. is because I consider myself self black mm-hmm. because I'm dark skin. Yeah, that's what Lisa I think I'm in here like with the dropper. I'm just like, oh you got a drop of black? Okay, you're black. Hold We're on. just gonna <laughs> I think my hand's good enough to take the mic now. See, I am totally that way. Like I'm totally like for in a lot of ways like you got a drop, you black. But I was having actually a really interesting conversation with my partner about this because I spend too much time on the internet. And there's a video of her, like, they do, like, some dramatization of her, um, like, identity formation growing up in L.A. And there was something about her language that I was like, ooh. Like, she was talking about filling out the census and being like, oh, like, it was white or black. And my teacher was like, oh, check, like, saw me being confused and was like, check white because that's what you look like. And she's like, I couldn't. Um and so then she was like, oh, and I went home and told my dad about it. And and she's like, and he said the thing that shaped my whole life. And he was like, make your own box. And so for me, there was something about that of like, as much as I believe like, yes, like blackness is a part of you. I'm never going to dispute like if your family black and you like connect to blackness. Um, but I do think it gets complicated when you have folks who move in a way that blackness does not de- like, do you culturally identify as black? Do you claim blackness? And like, there's this um, person on Facebook that is such a hot mess and I love so much. Um, and it's just actually really great for some, like going there, like political analysis, Kinfolk Collective, um, who talks about, like who actually posted something today that was like, everybody's working so hard to claim this woman, but is she claiming us back? It's mm. like, do we work very hard to claim people's blackness when they themselves don't seem to connect or like there was this video that was like college humor that was ridiculous but it was like a panel of like deciding who's Asian and this dude comes in and he's like so my grandmother's Korean can I claim to be Asian they're like you can claim to be Asian here are the things that you are he's like what are my benefits and like these are the things you're allowed to do <laughs> um, that's funny like, I like that you can claim to be Asian if you are the only Asian person there if there are other Asian people there you have to wait to be asked <laughs> But no, particularly because like he was taught, like the critique was if whiteness, if like your claim to this racial identity gets to be exoticized, like is literally like, here's a fun, interesting fact about me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And you do hear like white folks that are descended from folks of color do that all the time where it's like, oh, my great grandmother was Native American or my great grandmother was black or my great grandmother was Japanese. And so I just I think there's a thing for me where I'm like, I want to claim everybody is black. But if they don't, are we going to get to this place where in three generations, somebody who has blonde hair and blue eyes can be like, oh, my great grandmother was black, but they don't identify as black. Like there's something about that for me. It's like fucking with my head a little bit. Yeah, a prime example of that is O.J. Simpson. <laughs> oh well, shit. That segues into patriarchy and black men pulling the race card to protect themselves. Uh, oh, wait, uh-uh. As you were speaking, that was exactly who I was thinking of. I was like, hmm. I like this is all building, segueing together. We brought it from Marvel into here, and it's fabulous, great story arc. I was just going to say that I do, and I'm being facetious too because I do think that identity is about what people choose um, and and based on cultural background. So yeah, you do need to, you know, identify it with it culturally. So like me picking on Meghan Merkel is like, you know, at the end of the day, it's her life, it's her story. She gets to choose, especially as a mixed person who gets misraced all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole thing about creating your own box sounds idealistic. That's For me, that's bullshit. I'm just going to call it a shovel shovel. Like, I can't, there is no box for me to create. My box is black and white. That's the box I'm in because of racism and patriarchy. So I have to work, I've had to figure out how to navigate all that. There is no new box that transcends that shit. That's insane. I wouldn't, anyways, I'm like so salty. I'm like, huh. They they do that a lot with mixed folks, especially ambiguously race mixed folks. They like tout us and bring it back to science fiction as like the people who are going to end racism and transcend all these things. Mm-hmm. They call it they call it the Matrix effect, the Neo effect, because because Keanu is part Asian, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, in case you didn't know. It's a peeve of mine. That's not what's going to happen. We've seen c- communities and cultures where they look light and they still got all kinds of race issues. So mixing people up is not going that is not your racial um like gift to america okay stop it white people stop it wait so does she claim to be black like does she claim her blackness in most like in the things because like hope i did way too much like it like research it seems like she primarily claims mixed as her racial identity like does not necessarily claim like i am black she'll be like i'm mixed black and white or like i'm mixed like white and black or black and white but doesn't actually claim like i am black like a central identity at least in the things i've read yeah i think that's okay though is it does she have to <laughs> I do. I do. does she have to deny one to claim another okay i yes i hear i hear both of those things and would we feel the same if she were japanese and black no i wouldn't feel the same well okay i can explain why as a mixed person I do, I do see, you know, me wanting to represent both sides, which is what I do literally in my work. Mm-hmm. But, and so I do share, you know, that I am black and Mexican, but there are some days where I'm like, oh, okay, I really identify with that thing that is very Mexican. And there are other days where I'm like, I mean, but all days I'm black. Every day I'm black. Every time I step out of the house, I'm black. It doesn't like I may not be like the blackest person in the room, like, you know, with like the the family that's, you know, everybody's black, but I'm still black when I leave the room. When white people see me, I'm black. I'm mixed, but I'm black. And so I feel like, yes, I'm claiming that I'm mixed and that I, you know, I'm Mexican and I'm black. And I think that's okay to go out in the world and share but i think there's also something in claiming like yes i'm i'm black like in saying that i am black 
Yeah, and I would add like, you know, unfortunately phenotype matters in our country, right? So phenotype is a fancy word for what you look like. Um, and I've heard people talk about like what sides of you are hidden, right? So like maybe for you, like people don't necessarily see the, the Mexican side right away because of their own ignorance. Um, and I think for me, like since I'm more ambiguously raced at times, I guess it depends on what my hair looks like because I've had all kinds of interactions based on my hair type that day I've literally had I've had white men be like oh you're such a beautiful black woman and like touch my curly hair and I'm like ah, ah, run <laughs> run anyways um but like I think you know I think my my experience stepping out into the world is I also I mean I don't I don't on any given day I'm not sure how I'm being perceived and for more ambiguously race folks it's like how do I feel and what is my culture and my community and for me like I I am a black woman but I also do, I do acknowledge for what Camila's saying, my light skin privilege. And I talk about it all day long, every day, because I've seen it in my own family. You know, like people, I've seen people be defensive about it. But for me, it helps to think, like help people think about their family. Like that's the diversity equity side. It's like, okay, maybe you don't want to acknowledge it in the black BSU, but with your family, how's your mom treated compared to you? And it's like, oh, okay, I have to acknowledge that because that's my family. That's at least my touching point. Real talk of like the whiteness don't need to be centered in you. White people are centered everywhere. Like there's something for me about when it's like, I have no problem with somebody being like, I'm mixed. I'm like, word, that is just fact. Um, but like to be like, oh, I'm mixed white and black or black and what like the need. And it's because of our, I think even in the like, I think what folks have been talking about, like in the media, how they're talking about it, it's like, oh, she's mixed black and white. And the thing is like our society likes to be like, hey, but don't forget about the whiteness. Don't forget about the whiteness in this person. You might not like the blackness, but don't forget they also have whiteness in them. And for me, there's something Whoa. about that that feels like that I'm just like, because I got cousins that are mixed black and white and they're like, yeah, I'm mixed, but I'm black. Like, mm -hmm. because culturally they're black. As much as they're like still connected with their white family, it's like, yes, I hung out with my aunties and my cousins and da 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 da. But they're like, I'm black. And so there's just something interesting for me about that, especially. But then again, you also don't know because the pop culture media is a lie and you don't know how people identify. So, yeah, <laughs> well, and, well, and like, um, so with some people, so many it's things. also like a choice. Like, I don't have a choice to be like, I'm mixed, even though, or like, I don't have a choice to like tell people my yeah. ethnic background. So, like, for example, and I almost never say this. So, like, Madi is Mexican and black. She's mixed. I'm Panamanian and black. But I never, nobody's ever like, are you a Latina? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it was your face. Was you your know face. what I mean? So, it's like. Yeah, the hidden, there's hidden. There's the hidden. Wait a minute, that's there? Where is that? How come you don't share it? <sighs> it's a, you know, black people I just History. got so excited. Our, our ethnicity is <laughs> An so Afro -Latina. Like, all over the place. What, two Afro-Latinas? So I'll, I'll talk to you about this off air. I might be getting a dual passport Ooh. from Panama. Whoa, whoa. So, <laughs> Can we like mess with people and walk into the room and be like, there's two Afro-Latinas here and I bet you can't guess who they are. <laughs> What's that? Oh, <laughs> I'm like that my face. Me, that reminds me of that episode of Community where... Um, one of the characters, Ben Chang, like dresses in like a skater suit at like a Halloween party at the community college because it's about like all of these weird folks in community college and folks that are having. And he's walking around and in like a figure skating outfit, and people are like, "Who are you supposed to be?" And he's I just like, saw "Guess that. who I am?" It's like, like Christy Yamaguchi. No, I'm Patty Flaming. 
Patty Fleming, you just got proven racist by the racist prover. And basically <laughs> walks around the entire party asking people what they think he is and then like likes to just be like, and you're racist. And I was like, that is actually just what I want to do in my whole life. <laughs> I, I appreciate this moment. I think it should just be a trap and you should film it every time. Yeah, I feel you. I had one question for you, Hope. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel, okay, so I feel like you, like, I feel like it's different for me because it's black and brown. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for you, like, do you get to claim your whiteness? Like, do you you don't get to walk out into the world and say, like, I'm a white woman. Like, mm-hmm. you, you're forced to kind of just claim one side or mixed, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I claim, like, yeah, I'm forced to be, I'm othered. So you're, you're something. I don't know what it is, but that's what you are. You're something other. That's pretty much what it's been like, yeah. You're and I'm white. I'm off white. I'm off white. I'm off white. I am a painting on a wall. Um, no, um, oh, that would be really interesting. I'm gonna try that on someone and see what they say. <laughs> you? I'm off white. <laughs> you gotta say it with like the straightest, like, like deadpan face, like, oh, I'm off white. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, or we're not excited about this wedding. <laughs> <laughs> fence i'm curious i'm curious if there's you know i'm curious um oh the final piece is that i do i do notice that the the media regardless of how she identifies there is a cultural element of of course whitening blackness as much as possible in the media and you know we talked about how that happened with mariah carey and apparently mariah carey is like the blackest person ever and debrat is like their best friend and they like grew up with old dirty bastard who they grew up with odb odb like what the hell anyways there you go but the but the but like mainstream media wants to like you know whiten it because it's more comfortable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's comfortable right yeah. so there's a i was telling hope there's a great sketch that i never watched saturday night live but they did a great sketch after beyonce did the super bowl and it's called oh my god beyonce is black and it's like <laughs> All these white people like living their life regularly and then like having this epiphany that like Beyonce is black and being like, oh my God. Like it's literally like there's moments where it's like, you guys, I just let I just read this article and I just listened to the new Beyonce album and and Beyonce is black. And then there's comments where people are like, I don't feel like this album is for me. What are we going to do? And then, like, it's literally two black actors standing at the edge of the office just drinking coffee and being like, all right. Like, like, white people are acting like literally it is the end of the world. Like, the apocalypse have come. They're, like, flipping desks and and setting trash can fires in, like, their cubicle land. Awesome. Well, let's, let's take a break, and then we'll jump into our next set of questions. How do you guys feel about Kaepernick being a citizen of the year this year? On my favorite magazine, GQ. Lisa and I have an inside joke. Yeah, no, Hope. <laughs> the, the running thing was like, Hope's porn was GQ magazine. Is GQ magazine. <laughs> is my face is like super whenever, lit up. I need yeah, to go get that copy. She's just like, like when she'd get it, she's like, so I just got myself a GQ issue today. <laughs> Her and my ex used Are to like sexy? both pour over it. 
Yes, are you <laughs> kidding? <laughs> Anyways, men suits are host porn. Yeah, Lisa used to make fun of me because she's like, they're or they're Lisa. They were like it. They're fully clothed. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I, one time I was making weird, I definitely, I think I was making weird noises. Yes, <laughs> Sex, no. Sexual noises that's why. Lisa. That's why the joke started. It was like, oh my God. I was like, oh, what are you doing? She's like, I'm reading GQ magazine. Are you serious right now? It's like the most dressed gentleman porn you could have. No. <laughs> Because literally, I'm like, their hands and their faces are showing. That's literally all that's out. And she's like, I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe they need gloves and it would be, <laughs> be sexier. Gloves and a mask. No. Tuxedo no. <laughs> mask. I don't know. Well, I'm excited face. about Colin Kaepernick. Um, and I'll just say this. It's also kind of an inside joke. When he played for the 49ers, my friends and I we're like, oh, like, he's really cute. Like, I wonder what his type is. And I have a really diverse group of friends. So, like, my white friend was like, oh, you know, he's a football player. So, sorry, ladies. Like, that's probably me. And then my Asian friend was like, no, you know, he probably likes Asian girls. My Middle Eastern friend said something. My friend from Dubai said something. And then, of course, I was like, I'm the representative for black women, and I would like to prove my point of why. (laughs) 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 Like, we all were like, no, we're his type. And then I remember I Googled it, and I was like, at the time, he was dating Sanai Latham. And I was like, it's me, bitches. <laughs> Older black woman with natural hair. You have a seat. You can have a seat. <sighs> Sit your ass down. It's me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I wasn't a big... Well, also, I am a huge Raiders fan. And so I was not a fan of Colin Kaepernick when he first oh, came. Yeah. Also, you know, with the Super Bowl and all that. I was just like, eh. Okay, whatever. But... Yeah, these last couple of years, I really, he's like, he's pulled me in and I almost bought um, a jersey with his name on it. But then I was like, no, I'm going to support the NFL. And I, as much as I love my Raiders, I have not watched like a single minute and which makes it worse for me because Marshawn Lynch is on the team now. And also they're not doing well, but I am a huge fan of Colin Kaepernick and I really appreciate what he's done because there are so many sports figures now who are coming out and you know in support of their blackness and I think I may have mentioned this before so Miguel is doing his dissertation and wants to continue on his work um with black athletes like specifically right now in college like uh collegiate black athletes and some of his research just is finding that you know like people will identify more with their athletic identity over their black identity Mm. and that's why in the past there have been so many people so oj prime example back to oj (laughs) back to oj like he he didn't want to be known as black he didn't want to know be known as the best black athlete he didn't want to be associated with being black at all he he wanted to be known for his athletic ability he actually went out of his way to disassociate himself from Mm -hmm. the black community exactly yeah in a way that's actually frightening like like, I'm from San Diego, and so when I was growing up, it was the only time the Padres ever had any level of success was, like, in 1998, and then it's never gotten better. 
Um, but Sammy Sosa was on the team, and Sammy Sosa's been skin bleaching for years. Oh, my God. He looks scary. He looks like the Pink Panther. He looks so frightening. <laughs> but, like, like that level of thing. And when I saw Sammy Sosa, I was super excited because I was like, representation of blackness in San Diego. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did want to say about Kaepernick that I appreciate, like, in terms of the risk in creating space mm-hmm. is because so many of these dudes didn't want to say anything because they didn't want to risk their careers. Exactly. But it's like, and I think for them, there's a little bit of some, no, this dude literally lost his career. Mm-hmm. He literally lost the ability, like, he is being blacklisted by the NFL. And so I think it's made everybody else be like, well, shit, I guess I got to say something. I can say something now if this if this dude over here lost his job. But on the flip side, I think for the the shoot, what was really exciting was like the overwhelming presence of blackness. The fact that he was like, I want all of my clothes to be from like, like, yeah, his cover is hella black, like queer (laughs) and trans designers. But I think for me, it's like literally that level of intentionality. So not just like, oh, I got this and I'm gonna have black people with me, like who I wear, who people look up is going to be like, like women and, and queer queer and trans black folks that's like and i'm just like i didn't know it was queer i didn't know it was queer and trans black folks yeah, there explicitly were, there as were well queer designers as well dope dope and specifically was like these are who i want to wear in this shoot and i was like i see you bruh <laughs> <laughs> i think we all see you bruh i sometimes i think about like this is such a historical moment do you ever think like this is such a historical moment that like i'm living through right now and i feel like some people aren't acknowledging that, like, like I, I don't know, like I feel like this is like you said, lost his job to stand up for something. Like this is such a big deal, but I think later we will appreciate it. I always wondered, like, because you know you watch civil rights movies and mm-hmm. read books and learn about the figures and like. Growing up, I was like, what would I do during civil rights? Like, I, you know, I wonder, like, I wish that would happen so that I could march, so that I could do something, so that I could change. And I don't think that marching is our way now. And also, we're just not organized enough to do it. I think we could if, you know, we were organized. We had one central, you know, one or two, three central organizations. But, like, this is our civil rights moment right now. Like, these are our issues. Like, with... Um, gay marriage and the LGBT community, you know, all of the the issues and just making things fucking equal, you know, like are the things that are going on in the black community and the brown community. And like, this is what's going on now. So what what you're doing now is what you would be doing, right? Like, what is that? There's that um, there's all these memes that are like people are like, I would have acted in the civil like in civil rights movement. And people are like, you are in that you are in a moment of like of like civil civil and like culture change. And I think that's the difference in a in a specific way. I feel like I'm a big old I have a lot of nerdness, you guys. I'm a big old history nerd. But I feel you like You studied history in college, but I did. I did. I'm a history nerd and it never stopped. Um but looking at the civil rights movement and like when it was like around changing policy and culture and mass movements uh, and mass like public demonstrations were a way to get attention because we live in a time and age where like media outlets will curate what they cover. Um, that's, mm. I think that's actually what makes it challenging because like beautiful shit happens mm-hmm. at these actions and important things but people like like what happens here in Oakland where it's like people concentrate on the white black box block members who like set trash cans on fire and not on the fact that there was a march led by women and babies 
<laughs> yeah, I was just going to add to that, that I do see it as a part of a, late, a historical legacy. And, and I love that you've talked about how you see it happening differently now, because I do want to shout out like Muhammad Ali. And I know Kaepernick's talked about Muhammad Ali as being uh, like an inspiration for him because Muhammad Ali lost like his career because he refused to go be drafted. There's a legacy, I think, that we're continuing. Um, and I love that you're saying that the culture work is like where kind of like where like the art is coming out and the maker and the entrepreneurship, um, as well as like the facilitation work that you're doing. Well, shout out to Kaepernick for, you know, making Citizen of the Year. We appreciate you. Like, I, I truly appreciate you for, you know, creating this bringing it to the forefront using your celebrity to bring it to the forefront and sacrificing something that i'm pretty sure that you love to do you know what i mean like he if you play football you play football your life you love football and so um but doing that in for the rest of us for the rest of the black community Now it's time for the best part of the podcast. This podcast is getting ready to peak right now at this moment. It is time for it. Tell me why. And today, Lisa is going to ask us a tell me why. So, Lisa, tell me why. My tell me why question is actually a tell me what. And since we are in the holiday season, what is on your dream Christmas list? dream holiday gift list like if there were no limits if you had like a mysterious benefactor give you some mess and was like here you go no questions asked what would it be well i'm so the first thing that came to my mind was just like like an angel investor giving just be like a million dollars done just seriously because like i need to we need to get paid Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. and then that i feel like that would relieve a lot of stress like i could actually go on vacation yeah you know, like, I'm just being honest, like, yeah. and that was the first thing that popped in my mind was like, ooh, like, in the bank account. Like, I just visualized, like, money, like, science fictionally in the bank account being dropped in. I don't know. I was thinking that as well. I was like, ooh. when we first started Just Be, we had this, like, beautiful vision of a black woman's co-working space. And that was what I thought of as well. I was like, oh, if we could just have, like, a space. Base, and then we could name the rooms different names. <laughs> I've, you can tell I've already been thinking about this. I was like, and then we could call the building or the space like the Madam C.J. Walker, you know, something or another. I don't know, but a space is what I was thinking. I was like, if somebody could just gift us a building downtown, that would be great. <laughs> Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy Merry Christmas. Yep. Y'all are so business thinking because I like the first thing that popped in my head was like, man, I'd really like a really big ass house. But like I want that person to fill the house up to the brim, like the windows. All you can see is like cash. And I was like, (laughs) like, just fill the whole thing up with money. And then then I was like, no, I can't just say money. I would say like hundred dollar bills, not like dollar bills. But like (laughs) I want a house full of money. I want a house full of money, y'all. Yes. 
And I was thinking too, I was like, this is so small, but I would really like a new laptop for two thousand. Yeah, girl, you need one. I'm not gonna lie. I feel bad. I like suggested that I think I suggested it to you. You were like, huh! you were like, Don't you dare say stuff. And no, I was like, oh, my bad. I need Sorry. a new laptop. What about for you, and Lisa? A new phone. Hey though. Um I'm gonna go with a paid off house for one. Because <laughs> uh rent out here is real. Two, I would ask for literally every type of creative software thing that I could think of. So like video Ooh. editing, graphic design, and classes paid for for all of them. For infinity. For infinity. And I want the nicest like multi-track loop pedal that exists. And that one's like $700. I want that. All right. Well, thank you for your tell me whys, ladies. That's, those are all like really exciting and like... <laughs> Now it has me thinking logically, like, for myself. Um, but thank you so much, Lisa, for being on with us today. We really enjoyed having you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And can you let it, let the people know where they can find you? Word. You can find me on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as the Queerdo Weirdo, spelled Q-E-E-R-D-O, and then Weirdo with a the at the beginning. My Twitter is a lie. My Instagram has lots of things in reference to comics and performances and weird songs and lots of pictures of me calling out my dog. So we will have links in the show notes. And thank you again for joining us today. Yeah, yeah. We'll see y'all later. Thank you for listening to our show. Please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. And don't forget to share us with your friends because you know at least one black woman entrepreneur. And you know they're going to love us. So you can find us at justbeoak.com and on all the social media as Just Be Oak. You can find us individually as at FTD Collective, at Azteca Negra, and at Rich and Riot. Awesome. And we would like to do a few thank yous. First, we'd like to thank United Roots and Green Eyed Media for our recording space and equipment. We'd also like to thank our beat makers, Brother Ajman and Vinnie Bells. And we'd like to thank y'all, our listeners. Y'all are so awesome. Gracias. You can find all the info from today's show in our show notes. Just look below. And we will see y'all next week. Holla. Bye. Peace out.